It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and today I've got the most important matchup in Sunday's Vikings-Packers game, but I'm going to need people here to disagree with me, so let's meet the guys. I'm Luke Braun. I'm from Locked On Vikings, and I'm going to lie to you about how optimistic I am. I'm Arif Hassan, and this begins the first of three weeks where I get to crap on North Dakota State players. I'm Alec Lewis of The Athletic, and I have a microwave as opposed to Sam's fireplace. I need, a, need to get the fireplace, but no, thanks for having me, guys. Checks in the mail, Alec. It's the Minnesota football party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with the Athletics' Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Vikings-Packers storylines abound today on the Minnesota Football Party. Once again, I'm Sam Extra. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can watch this show on YouTube. Subscribe there or get any of our shows, the Ron Johnson Show, Superior Sports Talk, or our post-game postcasts to get instant reaction or wherever you get your podcasts, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Vikings-Packers storylines, we've got a four-minute drill where we're going to make an argument that the Vikings will win the division this year. But we'll start with uh, storylines. Luke Braun, you can go first. I'd like the top storyline for everybody in the room, and then I, as the judge and jury, will determine which is the most compelling to me. But we start with Locked On Vikings, Luke Braun, kick us off, top storyline, Vikings-Packers. I'll keep it broad. Um, This is the Vikings' chance to prove and i know it's the first game but this is the chance to prove that they are going to contend for this division right if they can go into this game and walk out with a win against the mighty big bad fearsome packers uh then i think the nation is going to take them a lot more seriously than they've been taking them there's a lot of optimism around the vikings even nationally their win total has gone up a whole game since march um at least on betonline.ag so that means that maybe some people are believing that the Vikings can be more than just a middle team. This is a chance to go prove that. Arif? Yeah, I think uh, one storyline that, you know, maybe doesn't grab as many national headlines, but will be interesting one to monitor is the importance of having an elite receiver. I think that that's going to be something that will be tested not just in this game, but by a few teams across the league this year. So, of course, you know, the Packers lost Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams goes to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll see how important an elite receiver is to Derek Carr and how important it is not to Aaron Rodgers. Same thing with Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes. But the Vikings, of course, do have an elite receiver in Justin Jefferson, plus a, a pretty good supporting cast around him. So we'll see kind of what happens there, whether or not an elite receiver has the ability to change the game regardless of quarterback capability and also whether or not Christian Watson who's missed the last couple of weeks because of injury and sounds like he won't be ready um, to be you know a, a full starter yet um, has the ability to, to really replace the wide receiver one role in the Packers offense maybe maybe not this year maybe next year but we'll see kind of how important it is to, to develop that kind of uh, wide receiver one position. Alec? Yeah I mean I, I think 
for me, it's it's what are these schemes, these new schemes going to look like in action? I mean, obviously we've seen um, and heard a lot about what Kevin O'Connell ha- has brought over from the Los Angeles Rams. And then we know, obviously, with the trend of the league defensively and Ed Donatel's scheme, given that he's he, he learned a lot of it from, from Big Fangio. I mean, we know, I think, um, some of what the, the, the bones of these schemes are, but to see them against a Packers team that obviously uh, has a bunch of players, talented players on both sides, that kind of unveil all at once to me is, is what's going to be most uh, interesting. And, and, and I think just very exciting to kind of see um, in action. Yeah, I'm actually going to side with Alec on this one. And Alec, Alec Lewis, the athletic, Rifasan's new uh, partner writing about the Vikings there. Um, I really like that storyline because Vikings fans in the Mike Zimmer era experienced six new offensive coordinators, but they weren't really allowed to get too excited about any of them because they knew that those coordinators were just basically carrying out Mike Zimmer's will. They were going to be run first. They were not going to be particularly creative. And now KOC has been blessed with this unbelievable opportunity where he actually inherits it in like a very high ceiling offense. And he comes from this really creative coaching tree and he's got a chance to actually do what he wants to do. Nobody's telling him how to, how to get things done. He gets to be the play caller who's in charge and his vision for this offense actually gets to come to fruition. So I think, seeing how Kevin O'Connell approaches this schematically and seeing if he's actually good at this and play sequencing and not running on second and 10 constantly like one Clint Kubiak uh, is going to be pretty interesting to see uh, in this game. Luke Braun, your thoughts on sort of the KOC factor against Green Bay and whether the element of surprise is an advantage for the Vikings in this game? Well, they sure think so because they have been really concerned with protecting that element of surprise. Um, I don't, I, it's Matt LaFleur. He's got about nine out of the, out of 10 same cards up his sleeve. Um, so I don't think you're going to get like a big element of surprise, but I do. Yeah. This is going to be the first time. Like, yeah, the, those, all those new coordinators, the last three of them ran basically the same scheme. It was all the Gary Kubiak scheme, whether it was Stefanski running it or Gary himself or Gary's kid. Like, that's the same stuff. So you're not learning new terminologies. You're not having new backbones. It was built off of outside zone and bootlegs and maybe a, a little bit of a variation here or there, depending on who's pulling the levers. But you're not – that's not like a transition. It's not, oh, we got to learn a whole new offensive court. No, it's the same – it's a different guy picking off the same menu. This is totally different. This is new terminology. This is new language. This is new philosophies. Um and for better or worse, they have like maybe one of the most challenging games on their whole schedule right off the <laughs> bat uh, when you've had as little time as possible to learn it. So that is that that's going to be what I'm looking for right off the bat here against the Packers is how well do they have all this new stuff down? And the same thing goes on defense is totally new stuff and everybody's got a lot to learn. And that's kind of I think why they've approached preseason the way that they have and like waiting to evaluate until like proper camp started and using the spring as just like orientation basically do we have any data and i ask you arif because you are just your mind is like a steel trap do we have good examples of coaches that have emerged immediately 
um, with sort of their their first time being a head coach and had immediate success, other than Matt LaFleur, of course, of course, who uh, did that with Green Bay. What is there data on this? Generally speaking, the percentage odds of like a new head coach being good are pretty low, right? Like the 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 the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, coaching turnover is really high in the NFL. One third of coaches every year seem to lose their job. It's a little bit less than that, but generally. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of those coaches were first time hires. They never get hired again to be, to be head coaches. But, um, if you want to find like first year head coaches that are pretty good, I mean, you don't have to go very far up the tree. I mean, Sean McVay, um, had an explosive year as a, as a first year head coach. So I think that that is a pretty good example of one, but we also have like examples of first year head coaches that their first year was pretty good. Then the rest kind of, you know, wasn't there. I remember Raheem Morris's uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another young coach, first time head coach. Uh, that first year wasn't so bad. And then after that, it just kind of fell apart. So I don't have like the hard numbers on how often first time head coaches come out of the gate swinging. But uh, especially recently, we've seen a lot of instances where those coaches perform really well. Mike Vrabel with the Titans, I think, is another really good example. First year head coach does really well. And it's not quite like the, the LaFleur example where you had an elite quarterback there. I mean, Vrabel had to hire some people that made Tannehill a really high-level quarterback, just like McVay had to figure out how to turn Jared Goff into a high-level quarterback after a nearly disastrous year, actually, an actually disastrous year with Jeff Fisher. So certainly, you know, we have some examples in the NFL. Um, you know, Pete Carroll took a second to get online. Bill Belichick took a second to get online. But, you know, for the most part, um, you know, in the recent NFL, we've seen some first-year head coaches for the first time as head coaches, you know, really make some headway. Yeah, Eric Eager of PFF actually did a good study on this of the impact of new play callers in particular. And oftentimes the biggest jump or the greatest variance hap happens in year one. But that's often biased because you're inheriting maybe a bad situation. Yeah. In Kevin O'Connell's case, he's trying to get a team from good to great. Um, as we, we get kind of back around the horn now to Alec, tertiary storylines in this game. I think we've kind of nailed the big ones that are going to capture national headlines, but I want, I want off the beaten path. I'll, I'll throw one out there to start. Um, Vikings haven't been over 503 years. I mean, the bad starts really plagued 2020 and 2021 teams. They haven't been above 500 since 2019 to reiterate. Um, that's something that I think fans, even though it's an arbitrary benchmark, Fans care about that. Like, fans don't want to say, here we go again. So that's just an interesting element to this game, is that if they win, they are technically over 500 for the first time in three years. Uh, is there anything sort of in the weeds, Alec, that grips you about this matchup? Yeah, well, I think it kind of works along those lines. And to me, it, it, it's the offensive line, I mean, going up against Kenny Clark to start out. I mean, I think if the Vikings – are going to exceed expectations either here locally or, or nationally. I mean, I think the offensive line, especially the interior with, I mean, got to start with Garrett Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland and, and obviously Ed Ingram. Um, I think with the, with the matchup they face uh, with the green Bay defensive front this weekend, I mean, if they can hold their own in some capacity, I think that would go a long way to, Obviously, speaking to, to what you were talking about, Sam, in terms of um, the as far as the record goes. So I, I think, I mean, that's a spot that I, I, I think I'll be watching pretty closely. And I think Vikings fans obviously will be as well. But I think positionally, that there, there are certain matchups like that that I think will will speak to ultimately what it what this team is capable of. 
Yeah, there's a concerning little nugget from that Week 17 game last year where O'Neal, Derisaw, and Cleveland, the three best linemen on that line, got beaten for 10 pressures combined. If that happens on Sunday, the Vikings are in some serious trouble if their tackles aren't holding up. I think that's another good one. I've got another tertiary uh, storyline, Shannon Sullivan revenge game. Now, I know it's a little tongue-in-cheek, and there's a bigger revenge game with Zedarius Smith on tap, but Chandon Sullivan uh, is a guy that Aaron Rodgers could more reasonably exploit in the secondary. So I guess I'm, I'm watching to see if Rodgers believes he can beat Sullivan and who they put up against him because Rodgers is known to pick on players that he views as vulnerable. Uh, Luke Braun, your thoughts on Chandon? I don't know what kind of personnel we're going to see from the Packers. Will Chandon be on the field? Or are they going to go like 21? Because they're so in love with those two mm-hmm. running backs with uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And at least according to Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers, they're going to go two back a lot with those two guys. Or like that appears to be their plan. So if they do that, but then like three wide then you might have Shannon Sullivan on the field. But otherwise, we might be a little bit more in base. So Shannon Sullivan might not even get a chance to prove that. Um, but if he is on the field, if it is a nickel package, I think, yeah, he's the weak link there. Unless Cameron Bynum doesn't bear out the way that it looks like he's supposed to bear out based on camp. There's still, I think, a little bit unknown. It's like, does that translate into, you know, when the bullets really start flying? Um, but I wonder, I, I'd be curious to see what what kind of action he actually sees versus like, somebody like, I don't know, James Lynch or whoever's going to play in, in on the defensive line base. That's interesting because it seems like both teams want the other to think that they're just going to, you know, kind of spread the field and use their wide receivers. Maybe, maybe less so Green Bay because they just don't have as many wide receivers. But for sure, the Vikings are hoping the Packers don't expect heavy looks. And I think we all kind of know that they're going to use C.J. Ham. They're going to use a couple tight ends now and then. Um, and I also look to, to that Razul Douglas matchup too. And that, that's probably the key matchup for me in this game actually is Razul Douglas moving positions. He's coming off an outlier season where he played outside corner. Now he's going to play inside pretty much full time um, against whomever. Could be Thielen, could be Jefferson, could be Osborne in the slot. I feel like that's a weakness in that Packers secondary. And I know he was good last year. He had five picks, but... Picks are often not sustainable. That can inflate your PFF score. I think Rasul Douglas can be exploited, more so than Alexander, more so than, more, more so than Stokes. Arif Hassan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that always struck me as kind of an interesting move because, you know, typically the skill set you want in the slot is somebody who's got a lot of quickness. And for somebody with his size and length, certainly Razul Douglas has a lot of quickness. But I think when you compare him to some of the quicker receivers that you find in the slot around the NFL, you know, he doesn't really stack up, especially, you know, when you've got, you know, players like, you know, Adam Thielen that that, that do a really great job of setting up breaks and getting out of them. So um, I'm kind of curious what the Vikings see as the optimal matchup there. Um, personally, you know, I, I think that, you know, for most games, most seasons, you know, I think that uh, Justin Jefferson is probably a pretty good matchup in the slot against a lot of the corners that you find there. But I think just from a skill set perspective, I'd like to see Adam Thielen in there a lot, especially because I don't I don't think there's a Cooper Cup role in this offense in the same way that people have been talking about all season. And I think that, you know, when you take on the roles that occurred in the slot for the Rams, you know, Adam Thielen's a really good fit for a lot of what they do there. And so I think having him, you know, block down on somebody like Razul Douglas or 
moving past Douglas to, to get on a linebacker. I think that that's something that you want to see. And then in the passing game, when you've got that kind of quickness, when you've got the ability to exploit some of these longer guys that have, you know, some movement issues. And again, better movement issues than most people his size. Um, I, I think that I would probably expect to see Adam Thielen there a lot. You know, I, I don't really want in that matchup for, you know, your typical speed slot guy to, to try and get downfield against him because he can make up that distance with length. I think you want to set up two-way goes. I think you want to set up option and choice routes. I think you want to set up, you know, these situations where Douglas has to not just make choices, but make quick movements where his length is not going to really help him as much. And so to me, you know, that screams Adam Thielen. I think out of those three receivers, that's kind of the matchup that I'd hunt. Alec, uh, you mentioned the interior line. Any other key matchups or key players to watch on the field? No, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting, at least in my head, to see how they do utilize. I mean, you, you guys mentioned C.J. Ham, but um, and I know Arif sees this at a level that that I have not yet, but C.J. Ham's usage to me is going to be really interesting, as well as just the entire slate of running backs. I mean, we obviously saw, if you watched preseason, what guys like Ty Chandler and, and Kenan Wangu are capable of, and obviously Alexander Madison is is present. So to me, that it, it's something that I think I'll watch. And then, I mean, I, I think earlier Luke mentioned Cam Bynum and the preseason he's had. I think Cam Dantzler is another guy that just given what happened last year and the way um, he's been discussed this preseason to see how he – plays against Aaron Rodgers, who who obviously I don't need to provide any insight into. It's going to be um, obviously a test and, and one that I think will provide a lot of insight. Around the corner, Alec is going to take part in his first ever four-minute drill as we make an argument for why the Vikings could leapfrog the Packers and win the division. But before we get to that, have you tried the new Built Bar yet, gentlemen? And if you haven't, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest treats. It's chocolatey. It's cookie dough. It's light. There's a chewy texture, 100% real chocolate, and mind blown, amazing for you. 15 grams of protein, only 160 calories. So don't walk, run to built.com, snag a box for you and your family, or hey, just keep it to yourself and stash it in your sock drawer. Uh, built bars have the new cookie dough chunk puff. Again, 100% real chocolate. Did I mention that before? They're great about, uh, built is great because they're built with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. You're absolutely gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKEDON15. And folks, if you're liking this video, make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Leave a comment down below, get in arguments, do whatever you want, but it does help other people find the video. We would appreciate that. It's time, gentlemen, for our four-minute drill. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting 
shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Should we have the newcomer start? I think we should. Alec, we're going to put you yes. on the spot right away. Um, there's a minute on the clock. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's uh, you Good luck. walked into the into the lion's den, my friend. Uh, one minute on the <laughs> clock. You've got to make a convincing argument why the Vikings will leapfrog the Packers and win the division. There's going to be a clock that you have to watch. So you got to manage time. Let's see what you got. Okay, first, you called it the lion's den. You you have a fireplace behind you. That is the den. Second, I know Arif has, has to be laughing with me on, on the spot here. And, yes, this is how I'm wasting 10 seconds of my time. Look, I think if there's <laughs> if there is a, a reason uh, that that the uh, Vikings will, will leapfrog the Packers here in this division, um, I think it is just a, it, it, obviously an improved defense specifically – um, in the secondary and with pressure in terms of Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith. And if those guys stay healthy, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's an important facet of it. And then offensively, I think you'd hope that, that Kevin O'Connell and the new system um, allows uh, Kirk Cousins to, to nitpick defenses in a way that, that holds up over the course of an entire season. And I think if, if, if matchups are kind of – if Kevin O'Connell – can find the correct matchups um, for Kirk Cousins and Kirk can find them on the field. I think that there is a possibility. And he hits the post with expertise. Thanks, Alec. Arif, what do you got? All right, if it's going to be the same question, I'm going to give a pretty similar answer. I'm going to start with that pass rush. I think Daniel Hunter Zedaria Smith, the evidence suggests, based off of you know the research that I've done, that they'll be able to stay healthy for most, if not all, of the season. And we know that the way that the coverages are dictated, at least in the Donatel defense, is that uh, what pressure you can provide will dictate what coverages you have the ability to, to demonstrate. And so if you don't have the ability to get the quarterback quickly, you're going to play a lot of off coverage. You're going to play a lot of simple coverages. You're not going to kind of try to confuse the offense with your defense. But I think that we'll have that capability with that you know pressure up front that's going to create some pretty interesting defenses I think more so than the Joe Barry defenses Packers running a very similar one I think on offense you've got an offense that I think is going to be even more aggressive now Kirk Cousins has always thrown the ball deeper and more aggressively than people seem to think but the way that Cousins has talked about this offense and uh, the way O'Connell wants to design this offense is going to push the ball a little bit more take advantage of the contested catch capability that both Thielen and Jefferson have I think that's going to give you a lot of opportunities it's going to create more space in the running game and I think that's going to help you, you know, this is the best two minute drill we've ever seen from Kirk Cousins in camp. I think that's going to continue, allow them to win some games. And that was the best one minute drill I've ever seen from Arif Hassan. Luke Braun, let's hear it. All right. So the Packers whole thing, like they have are projected to have one of the best defenses in the league, but a lot of that relies on ifs. If Rashawn Gary takes a step forward, if Kenny Clark stays healthy, um, there are a lot of unknowns. If Rasul Douglas can keep up that pace, right? Which uh, despite moving inside a lot of those things can go wrong and we have seen that firsthand with those kind of ifs not going well for the vikings if daniel hunter can stay healthy etc um and i do think i agree with the reef i i think that the research that we have shows that both sidarius and uh daniel hunter have the ability to stay as healthy as you're gonna get and the other big thing nobody's talked about yet aaron Rodgers is 38 
time catches up to us all. Nobody's immune to it, not even if you do ayahuasca in the desert. So there is a world where you go into week one. Week one games are weird. Weird stuff happens. Suddenly the Vikings have a tiebreaker, and they can make this happen. And both teams win 11 games, and you get it on tiebreakers. Yeah. If the Packers lose or, you know, whoever loses, they have to sit on that tiebreaker for 16 weeks because they don't get a chance to even it up until like week 17. So that is going to loom pretty large. Um, Obviously, the Vikings don't want to not have that tiebreaker going into that game. I'm wasting time. I think it's going to require the Packers to regress and the Vikings to obviously stay healthy and take a step forward. But I, I do think it's a little bit of both. The Packers are eight games above their Pythagorean win loss in the last three seasons. They've won 39. They should have won about 31, and that's unprecedented. Um, They've been defying the odds now for several years, staving off regression. 13 wins is not a sustainable pace in the NFL, and yet they've done it for three consecutive years. So it is very hard, I think, to underestimate them when they keep proving the models wrong, and they have a roster that's as good as this one. Um, But it doesn't take much to lose two extra games in the NFL. Their one-score win rate in one-score games is like 14 out of 20 in the last three years, and that's probably unsustainable as well. Um, So I think the Packers are still due to come back to the pack, and the Vikings have to stay healthy. And Kevin O'Connell's got to be good at this. I mean, Kevin O'Connell has to know how to manage a team when they lose, how to manage a team when they're behind in the game, how to manage a team in the two-minute What's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) What was the point of the time? (laughs) <laughs> that was that was not clean management on my part. I'll uh, I'll own that. I'll wear it. Shoot your arrows at me. Um, give me a a weapon on either side of the ball. Somebody that the other fan base is going to scratch their head and say, "Who? Who's beating us right now? And why does his name rhyme with Fene Flongflu?" Luke Braun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll leave that one for you. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, I people don't know about KJ Osborne. Like they should know about KJ Osborne. He looks fantastic in camp. He looks like mm-hmm. if not sustaining what he did last year, maybe even taking a step forward. Um, and I predicted on Locked On Vikings that just went up this morning. Uh, that by season's end, K.J. Osborne will have outproduced Adam Thielen. I'm really high on this team. where you got that take and... from. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I, I've had that take for weeks. I've just been scared to say it. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> but, like, <laughs> he's K.J. Osborne... <laughs> Imagine I how you feel if you were the one that uh, that first discovered the guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, I wow. alone know who KJ Osborne wow. is. Um, but like, he's got a lot of a lot more of a skill set than I think we know. That than I think like other fans of other of, of other teams will know, and that means mm-hmm. you know if you're going to attack Rasul Douglas, that might be KJ Osborne setting up in the slot or setting up in a bunch. Um, or the other guy in a stack that, you know, Jair Alexander is going to take Justin Jefferson. And now you've got Rasul Douglas on KJ Osborne. And because he can be on the field like every snap because he's versatile and he has such a varied skill set, I could see that guy just popping off randomly for 100 yards in a game. 
Shoot, could be this one. Um, I think Osborne is probably the the best possible answer, at least on the Viking side of the ball. Um, his current ADP is something like two fourteen, right? So it's like he's not even getting drafted yeah. in the ton of leagues, and I think that you know he's got flex starter upside just to contextualize it right i think that osborne um really does have that that opportunity in front of him but if i'm going to pick someone besides osborne for the vikings um yeah i don't know why, why not go cj ham you know I'm, I'm writing a piece about how the vikings are going to use him so he's on the top of my mind um but also it's not necessarily that you'll get you know 60 yards or anything like that he might only get like 15 he might not get any but I think that his usage will help kind of dictate what the Vikings are able to do offensively, you know, what personnel the other team will put on the field. I mean, Luke was talking about, you know, putting two running backs on the field with the backers. Vikings will do the same thing, put um, offense on the field to dictate what coverage, you know, the Packers are producing and, and be able to attack that. So I think that C.J. Ham um, has that opportunity. On the other side of the ball, actually, I think the one that we want to watch out for, though, um is is robert tunyon you know i don't think vikings fans are completely unfamiliar with who he is but i think there's been a lot of talk about what that receiver group is going to do oh my gosh sammy watkins is alan lazard going to be healthy enough to lead the team in receiving you know this week is there going to be you know something from romeo dubs is christian watson capable uh you know <laughs> you know all of these things are questions but like you know Big Robert Tanya, Big Bob, you know, he's there. He catches big touchdowns. You know, I think that that's going to be something that, that the Vikings are going to have to watch out for. And Vikings fans are going to have to be reminded of. Yeah, I could go a lot of, of, of ways with this. I thought about going Jalen Rieger just so Philly people would just spam this. <laughs> I mean, this, the, <laughs> the share of, of this. But worked. no, I, I mean, <laughs> no, I think um, def on the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings, I mean, I, Harrison Phillips, obviously his addition. I mean, I think people have talked about um, it this this preseason and what he's shown. But I think with this defensive scheme specifically, and just how important it is to kind of mug up the gaps in the run game with who the Packers have uh, at running back in 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 two obviously dynamic players. I think Harrison Phillips um, is, is going to be really important in this game and probably. Just obviously doesn't Zadarius Smith being the former Packer gets much more play. So I think um, that's that's the name that came to my mind. I mean, I also think it's just going to be fascinating to see if Irv Smith is indeed healthy, how he's going to be using this offense given the Vikings' weapons. I mean, you know how many they have, but w what will Irv Smith's role be? Um, I think if I look at both sides of the ball, it's probably Harrison Phillips, Irv Smith for me, and just fascination of what those two guys will bring. Yeah, I think at the tight end level, the guy that would shock everyone, Vikings fans included, would be Johnny Munt. If Johnny Munt has any meaningful role in this <laughs> passing game. And it's not outlandish that he would with Irv Smith having done two catches, very two yards, little. two touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Chris Herndon role, except much more productive. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Roll no, I, <laughs> there it is. Hey. There it is. You need a yard, he'll get you three. You need five, he'll get you three. <laughs> Munt would be a shocker, but I think that the correct answer is Kenny Wongwu because he really hasn't established himself as anything yet as an offensive player. He's a special teams demon. But 13 rushing attempts last year and four receptions for only nine yards. So it's not as if he like took a screen pass to the house last year. Hasn't really shown it yet in an NFL game. But I think he needs to be used as much as Alexander Madison. It should be 50-50. Like, if you're giving Cook a series, then give Madison a little bit, back to Cook, back to Wong Wu. Back to Cook, back to Madison, Cook, Wong. Like, give him 
half of what you would ordinarily have given Madison um, and use more of a rotation. Like last year they had Kennedy Palomalu as the snap count monitor, more or less. But his version of monitoring was saying, Dalvin, you feel good? Yep, I do, coach. I got a bum labrum and my foot hurts and my knees almost blown out. I feel great. All right, get in there, Dalvin. That's how the Vikings managed snap counts last year. They're going to be smarter about it this year. No, they that, have to that's be. true. That's true. Dalvin, for like nine games at least this season, uh, last season, just could not turn up field and have any burst. It was sad. No. He had like 40 yards in front of him. He'd get eight. Yeah, like, yeah, tr- watching him plant and then just crumble was so deflating. Um, you only saw healthy Dav- Dalvin for, like, one game. Was it uh, Cincinnati or was it Arizona was it, where he it, got hurt? Was it, uh, I thought it was, like, at least the two games, right? Because I thought it was Arizona because that's the fumble. Um, but we also saw him at the end of the mm-hmm. season restore some of that burst. So Pittsburgh you know, game, yeah. Three, four games, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not a lot, and that's that's been a problem. So use him less and get more out of him. Less is more, is the cliche. Um, before we get to our rank'em segment, I want to rank the top, uh, the first six Vikings games on the schedule leading up to the bye. A reminder that you can check out Luke Braun and myself on the Lockdown Vikings postcast. That is after every single Vikings game. The second the clock hits zero and knowing Vikings games, it probably will come down to that final play. Hey, maybe even extra time. So check that out. Locked on Vikings postcast and locked on twins postcast as well with Brandon Warren and Nash Walker. They are hammering every single twins game. The instant it's done. That's on locked on sports, Minnesota subscribe on YouTube. All right. Rank them. There are six Vikings games before the bye. Packers, Eagles, Lions, Saints, Bears, and Dolphins. Let's rank them. What is the toughest Vikings game leading up to the bye here? Is it the Packers, or is there a sneaky other team that might be more difficult? Alec, I'll give you the first crack at this one. I mean, not with, with the starters not having played in the preseason and having learned entire, an entirely new scheme on, on both sides, I think, and facing this type of opponent – with this type of quarterback, I mean, I can't get out of my mind. Yesterday, Harrison Phillips was talking about Aaron Rodgers and talking about trash talking him in the first game. First game they played each other, Cal Stanford going back and forth. But then Harrison Phillips said, like, he learned in that game facing Aaron Rodgers that he picks up. I mean, if you, whatever stance you're in, however your leg is is angled, like Aaron Rodgers can pick up that type of uh, just intricacy, and I think. When you're going up against a quarterback like this um, in this first game with new schemes, it, it just makes it very tough. There's expectations, obviously, to to not be middling the way uh, things have been in years past. So I, I'm going to go with this game. Um, I'm sure there's some difficulty in, in, in flying to London or what have you. And I'm sure uh, there are going to be challenges uh, covering Tyreek Hill, et cetera. But, um, no, I, I, th- I think this game – to me, just stands out in terms of the first six. Uh, so, yeah. So do you think Packers is hardest? Does everybody agree with that? Uh, yes, but I do want to throw in there that the Vikings always underperform against the Bears, and you just kind of have to account for that. Now, it is a home game, not an away game. So if that was an away game, I might say that that was a sneaky pick to, to take the top. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think the Packers is the best game. The thing is, um, genuinely, if we avoid like the, the superstitious juju conversation, the Eagles one is going to be the most interesting. The Vikings have historically had issues with running quarterbacks, obviously new defense mm-hmm. every year, who knows? Uh, but also this is like maybe the best roster uh, top to bottom. And so that's that's the, the kind of the interesting element of that. Plus, you know, away game. I think the Eagles are yeah, really hard. game, night game. And yeah. I've actually got them as harder than the Packers just because it's everything that the Vikings struggle with, like outside, on grass, Cousins prime time. And I know that that's been a little debunked in recent years, but um, that to me stands out as a more difficult setting. Um, Luke Braun, back to your point, because I kind of clomped on you there, and I want you to finish your point. So you're you're saying that Rodgers is, is a sure thing, but then Hurts, Goff, Do we know Jalen Hurts is good? To, like... uh, they feel Winston. good about it. So, so you're bringing into question, yeah. like, all five of them might be bad. All five of them, like, we don't have all, like, it's not a scary quarterback. Like, oh, shoot, Aaron Rodgers, you got to prep for him. Jalen Hurts might just suck, right? Um, Jameis Winston might throw five picks, and you might just, like, have that one, right? J- Jalen, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to suck, but there's, like, an uncertainty, I guess. Um, I, I think... And then I'm going to butt in just real quick. I think our our framework for this is wrong. It's not, might they be good? I think the default position is that those five are bad and that they have to, and they have to prove (laughs) us wrong on that, right? Like all of our priors tell us that these quarterbacks are not good. Now, I think that there's, um, you know, a world of upside for Jalen Hurts. I think you could say something about Jameis Winston being a really intelligent quarterback that threw a bunch of picks but finally fixed his eyes. You know, like the LASIK thing might be real, right? Like there's Classic. all kinds of things. <laughs> I love it. I, this is the funniest storyline in the world to me. But I think that, like, oh, he was just, just blind? Like that? Okay, yeah, sure. Um, and he didn't get LASIK in college because he was Squinting literally just at the too young backs to get downfield. it. Right, the squinting, yeah. right? And it's like his issue with interceptions, he literally just didn't see them, right? So he's like, I might as well throw a contest. Like, it, it makes that explains sense. it. That's it. right. It's amazing. Yeah. But like, oh, that was a Packers jersey. I thought it was an right. Open yeah. Patch oh my god. You know, the, the pewter and the green. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that I think our default position on all of these, except for Aaron Rodgers, is that they're bad, and any hype about them yeah. is is pushing uphill against that. Sorry, Luke, I stepped all over your point just after Sam did it. But, like, I did the framework to me <laughs> was all wrong. What do you mean, are well, we sure just, Jalen Hurts is good? It's the opposite. Let's rank the quarterbacks then. No, yeah. So Rodgers is the clear number one. So then who's yeah. number two? Fantasy points, Jalen Hurts. I, I think Like, it very much could be not Hurts. I was hoping one of you guys said Jared Goff. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah. so statistically, historically, be Jared Goff, but we kind of know the story over there. So, He's I, the I would one say we know what to expect from the most. The least question marks around Jared Goff. That doesn't mean that it's good, but it means right. that we are very certain about what we are going to see. Yeah, real quick, my rankings are Rodgers, Jameis, because I think that that style of play where you just throw touchdowns or picks and nothing in between, that actually tends to be better than it isn't. Just the year he got fired, it wasn't um seven of them were pick sixes right um but i think just generally speaking that style of play tends to work out a little bit better so to me it's rogers winston then hurts then uh tua then big gap Tua, big gap uh fields then golf and i 
I, from a Vikings fan perspective, obviously you don't want fields to be good, but from like, I care more about my takes than I care about the Vikings season. And my take <laughs> says that Justin Fields was a great pick and the Vikings should have picked him. So for myself, I hope that Justin Fields ends up as the best or second best of this group. I mean, at this stage with Goff, no, I'm sorry, with Fields, Tua, and Hurts, I mean, you're just you're just shaking them up and just you know rolling yeah. the dice because any of them yeah. could take that step. Like, and I, it's kind of Spider-Man meme. They're all just standing in a room, like, who's gonna take? Who's gonna improve this year? Uh, right. Particularly Tua and um, Hurts are in year three, correct? So they're kind of at that critical stage that Murray was going into last year where you might have looked at Murray in kind of a fieldsy way, and now you don't. Now he's elevated himself above that. Um, so I think that that's a, it's a compelling argument from a quarterback standpoint. And I right? hadn't thought of it <laughs> like that, Luke, so I'm glad you brought that up. In terms of team difficulty, Packers and Eagles probably 1-2. Saints and Dolphins yeah. probably 3-4 in some order. Dolphins have a sneaky good roster. Yeah, I, I think roster. I'd go in that order. Yeah, I think the Saints roster is pretty pretty good, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think the Lions yeah, have a better roster than the Bears, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go Lions, Bears. I just, I don't know what the Bears are, like, great at, and I know what the Lions are great at, and it's offensive and defensive lines, yeah. right? So, yeah, I probably Does anyone know, Bears. like, on Chicago Bears Twitter, are people upset that their roster is bad. Like, didn't they? Did they expect polls really to come in? There's yeah. a lot of. Did coke. they expect polls to come in and just like yeah. make them an instant contender, or did they expect, or did they embrace With, kind they of a, think a tear down? It's like happening. Velas Jones is the truth. Like, it's their secretly right. like, they got all the best players. There's a lot of like convincing it's... themselves that this like 30 year old rookie is good. Um, that the the <laughs> fifth round offensive tackle legitimately won a starting competition and is therefore good. Right. You know, like, no, they're trading yeah. Kevin Jenkins because they've got a great offensive line. They're, they're, there's no place to put him. You know, he's a, a good player, but, you know, he deserves to start. Yeah, surplus. Right. You know, it, it's it's a lot of that. Right. Like, oh, man, when we claimed Armand Watts and, and Amir Smith-Marset, I mean, those were just genius moves. Right. You know, the, the six like other teams or whatever players. ahead of us. Yeah, they claimed seven players, but the roster's good. Yeah, because everybody else is cutting lot, players that the Bears have yeah. starters. It's a rough world. Let, let talk yeah. to them at like week four, <laughs> when yeah. they've actually had to watch these guys play football. Yeah, and then Justin Fields is going to take a step forward. So yeah, yeah, always very real alternate reality though, where Poles takes over the Vikings and 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 close, maybe the Wilfs close. were so like iron fisted about like making sure that they stay contenders. So maybe maybe he listens to that and they do the same thing. But if not, a real alternate reality where Poles comes to Minnesota and just tears tears this down too, um, which would be a sad like I know that I endorse that, <laughs> but man, it would be sad to be in that spot like as of going into a season with really no realistic anticipation, unless you're you know, dub bears guys too big, on SNL. It hurts too big. <laughs> Alec, uh, you're coming from a successful a sports city. I'm, I am arriving from, yeah. I mean, I've, I've watched Patrick Mahomes play a lot of football over the last uh, six weeks. I was talking to another media member yesterday about what what that's been like and what that might be like considering him. I, I mean, I, it, 
It'll be, yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, it was interesting as you were talking about that just now, Sam, like tearing it down and not having so many expectations. That happens so often in baseball just because of the competitive balance. And I covered the Kansas City Royals before this. And so it, it really, it, it is brutal um, at times when you know your team just isn't it, it really in it. I mean, they'll try to be in they'll start, but when, when, when that's not the case, there is no anticipation. Then when you're playing 162 games, an entirely different thing. So, um, no, I mean, I think that's why the, for as much as Vikings fans feel the way they do about what's happened in, in recent years, I mean, to go into this thing a little bit uncertain with, with the, the ability to dream a little bit, if, if you have that optimism in your heart, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's, there's, there's an interesting element, um, that 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 brings are the royals going to win the world series again by the way i'm curious are they building towards something like is this sort of the the reboot of how they want it before with what they're trying to do now well i know this is why everybody tuned in in the first place so i'm glad i, I yeah. i'm glad i could uh provide the floor is provide yours. This. Yeah. No, are the Royal, you know, I, I, I think it's all going to matter. It, it, pitching is everything, especially in a small market um, when you can't go out and pay for it. So if they can kind of um, fix their pitching development and, and, and produce guys that they've drafted and signed, I think it could trend in the way that they they've wanted it to. But like I said, in a, with the small market in that sport, it's just very, very difficult. Um, and so you kind of just have to be pretty perfect and probably have some things go your way, which is what happened for them in 14 and 15. Alec, um, I do have a little activity for you just to put you on the spot a little bit and to sort of welcome you through initiation into this Vikings media market and this podcast. We appreciate you being on. Uh, I have a Jeopardy category for you. There's one category, not a whole board. The category is Vikings villains. If there's anything that you need to be sort of well-versed on as you enter this market, it's the people from the past that have hurt the Vikings fans and torn their hearts out. So I've got five <laughs> questions for you, five trivia questions. If you get them wrong, that's fine. This is an educational experience. I, so, I am overjoyed right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Arif is beaming. <laughs> so, yeah, Alex, yeah. Uh, Arif's so Yeah. <laughs> you've got uh vikings villains 100 200 300 400 500 imaginary dollars where would you like to start 500 get that out of the way but i'm, I'm oh, probably gonna go over okay. five and so it's gonna look like I'm, I'm just being dunked on here they're gonna be like how could you not uh, but i it's it is what it is i'm new no you're you're right you're right vikings fans will be yelling at their phones or, or computers but uh for 500 that's not new, by the way. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. In the 1987 NFC Championship game, Vikings journeyman backup Wade Wilson threw an incomplete pass on fourth and goal to this player whose quote-unquote drop cost the Vikings a chance at the Super Bowl. I love well, how Arif in 1987. Yeah, you it's guys like you said, 1987. Like 1987, I was negative 10. So um, <laughs> it's not like you can't oh, watch, you go back and watch old games. So I don't, yeah, sorry. But if you guys are going to duck on me, I'm coming right back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Arif, 
Fair. I'm gonna lob this no, up to these it. other guys. I, 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 I've got no. I mean, can I, I give I, you a hint? There's just there's... that won't help. Yeah, but it's probably not but gonna it makes help. It hurt yeah. More. Okay. They in the draft when they drafted this player, the first round pick, and they could have had Marcus Allen. Interesting. LeBron um, knows this. Doesn't help, but it's it's interesting. It's another interesting note um, to the whole deal. I'm I, I'm, I'm fascinated, really. Yeah, the answer is Darren Nelson. It was a little past to the near side, like the near pylon, and it was a kind of a contested catch. It was in traffic. Maybe went through his hands, maybe not. There's definitely, like, ambiguity as to whose fault it was, and the play call was kind of bad, too. But uh, that drop has been associated with Darren Nelson, 1987. So that was the toughest one. It only gets easier from here. Put that on the oral history list right now. Yeah. So the 500 category is out. Yeah, yeah, 100. I want to take it down a notch so I can still look, so I can look worse probably. Okay. Uh, This Vikings kicker who attended the University of Georgia missed a 27-yard field goal in the 2015 wildcard game in negative temperatures to cost the Vikings a win. So I'm from Alabama, big college football guy. Arif knows this. I told him this the other day. Um, so Georgia kickers, it's not totally out of the realm that I would know it from that. I should not. I mean, 2015 is not that long ago, and I've watched a lot of football. So I should probably just know the kicker and the moment. Um, and when you say the name, I'm going to know it. But it, it, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I can snag it. He cameoed my- once in an episode of The League. Come on. How is that helpful? Uh, <laughs> when you say it, to... Dir- director Matt no, is trolling I... you now. When you when you say it, I'll know. But Blair yeah, Walsh. I mean, I, I, yeah, Blair Walsh, of course. Yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Work to be a tough. Alec, Alec, Alec. I know Blair Walsh. All right, it's bad. So... It's bad. That was 100. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. The goal here is to get one. We just got to get on the board. Um, So we've got a 200, a 300, a 400. Let's let's work our way. uh, Let's work our way up. 200. I want to knock one. 200. Yeah. Okay. Um, The Minnesota Vikings were the NFL's best team in 1998. This kicker had not missed a field goal all season until his fateful miss in the NFC Championship game that would have sealed. It still hurts us just to hear it referenced. <laughs> Honestly, I, I would have thought this was the $100 one because it's just it's yeah. always on the brains of Vikings fans. I thought recency might might make the, yeah, the Blair Walsh a little easier for him. Yeah. This is actually an interesting. It's an interesting study to see like how aware people are nationally of like yeah. Viking fan problems. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it feels Probably. like like this is plastered on anyone above the age <laughs> of stop oh my God. thirty. Oh my Gotta God. stop watch on this. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are the initials on this guy? Another episode that references this. G A. Old, old veteran kicker, South African, longtime Steeler. Extremely reliable. Number one, had the crossbar helmet. You're going to have to give it to me, Sam. 
Gary yep. Anderson. Gary okay. Anderson. I wouldn't have gotten that, but it makes sense. Ooh, you're taking notes. It's called, right? it's called the Gary Anderson just... game. That one's, yeah, yeah. Arif you know, they're not talking about the Gary Anderson game down in Marie, big Alabama too much. <laughs> they're not? They should be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You, you've got... Oh. <laughs> they should be. One in 31 chance here, Alec. In okay. 2003, I'm not even going to make you guess the player. Nate Poole caught a touchdown on the final play of the season to knock the Vikings out of the playoffs. What team did he play for? Um, 2003, Arif was yep. hurt. Um, I'm, I'm perfectly... We're both very hurt. This all hurts a lot. I'm fine. Yeah. This is... Uh, 2003... Um, this was a bad team, too. This was a bottom three team that had reason to lose the game. And yet they beat, they were down 17-6, scored a touchdown, missed the two, got an onside kick, marched down the field, last play of the game, touchdown, game over, Nate Poole, mobbed by his teammates, Vikings in tears, and the no. team was uh, Arizona Cardinals. So I didn't Wouldn't have got it. Wouldn't have got it. Rookie Josh McCown. Hey, Josh. Crazy. Ah, talk, to, ah, talk to Josh the other day. Wow. What's McCown um, Oh, that's interesting. I do not know. That, I'm, I'm like, uncomfortable back? by Alex squirming now. Like, I feel like we've, we've pushed him past <laughs> yeah, his you, brink. Yeah, I'm we've sweating. Got... I'm, I'm here sweating. I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, this is, is awful. Is but... this one, is the next one at least the 1975? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Um, it is. This is NFL. We're going to have, we're going to have Chad Graff that, on the show soon. That one's enough, you might know. We're going to, we're going to quiz um, Chad Graff about Patriots history and make him feel just yeah, I was bad. about to say. I thought you were gonna say you're gonna have Chad and, and ask him these same questions. He's gonna get them all, get them all right. And then I look work. I mean, I, it's like, what are we hey, doing? Wait, let's go out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, 1975. There was the original hail mary from Staubach to this wide receiver who pushed off to score a touchdown for the Cowboys and break the Vikings' hearts and deny them a chance at the NFC Championship game. I should probably know this one, too. But Legend of the 70s. Okay. I, 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 if I gave you an answer, then I, it, no, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Drew Pearson is the answer. Wouldn't have gotten that. But good to Drew know. Pearson. Oh, man. He was, he was, what was he, taunting Eagles fans at the draft a couple of years ago? That actually ruled. <laughs> yeah, it would rule if we didn't like specific. Right, yeah, if, if there wasn't a very specific history. Yeah. <laughs> Alec, you're a good sport. Thank you for playing Thanks along. No, I was and... a good sport. But I, I, horrible honestly, player. it hurt us more than it hurt you. Being <laughs> yeah, that's what. And like people <laughs> watching, they're like, it. people watching, they're like, this sucks. We have to relive the worst moments ever while this new oh, beat writer has no idea. You need no to understand idea. this about Vikings fans. They buy into the pain, they opt in, they want. Okay. To be hurt okay. and relive these painful memories because it's 
part of the identity building process for Vikings fans. It's, okay. a, it's a reminder okay. yeah. of who you are at your core. They they very much like people who watch the notebook. They, yes. You like to feel something, anything. Yeah, sure, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Of all, okay. Yep. I just there's so many movies you could have picked. More stereotypically sad than the Notebook. I don't know anything about the Notebook. <laughs> what movies make you cry, Arif? Last uh, movie you cried. Okay, so uh, I don't really cry at movies, but one a crying story I remember is at the end of Spider-Man Two. Obviously, you know the huge tearjerker, right? Where he leaves MJ, he's like, "I gotta." I don't know. The the person sitting next to me was asleep for the first half of the movie and was bawling at the scene where Spider-Man leaves MJ. And I was like, how could you possibly have, I mean, I'm sure you saw Spider-Man one, but how could you possibly have like the context to be this upset where, where Spider-Man's like, Hey, I, I'm not going to tell you I'm Spider-Man, but everyone knows that, you know, that I know that, you know, and I just have some more important stuff to do in my life than be with you, MJ. They're at a cemetery. So that's the, that's the memory I have of someone bawling in a movie theater. It's the end of Spider-Man 2 where they missed half the movie. Must have been an amazing scene. The the caption, if you're watching on YouTube, sums it up. Right Everyone was sad when Gandalf died and you maybe didn't read the books and realized he'd come back. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. That stunner. Um, this is how we end each show, Alec. We go around in a circle. And we give our party foul. And it's the biggest blunder you saw in pop culture, in sports, in your life um, from the last few days. So we'll uh, let you think about that and run the animation. All right, Alec, what's your party foul? So I watched, uh, I, I said I was a big college football guy. I watched uh, LSU lose the other night, Brian Kelly lose. Um, not that upset that Brian Kelly lost, I apologize. But <laughs> the party foul is he barely got Keyshawn boot the ball. And, you know, Keyshawn, I, I think he deleted all the stuff on social media, media as he should. Like, he is one of the best receivers in the country. You're in a very yeah. close game, in an important game, first game of, of coaching career as for Brian Kelly here at LSU not here I don't know why I said here um and you're not getting your your best playmaker the ball that was that was horrible um but again as I said at the top really wasn't that upset for Brian Kelly it's a good party foul though. good one yeah yeah uh, I'm gonna go with so Vikings uh, with... no go ahead oh. yeah I'm gonna go with uh Lamar Jackson I think uh, well, actually, both Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think that both of them would be better suited approaching this a little bit differently. Lamar Jackson uh, is uh, essentially, maybe not holding out is the wrong word, but delaying negotiations on a new contract um, to be presumably the highest paid quarterback in the NFL because that's how salary caps and quarterback salaries work. Uh, and uh, the Ravens aren't budging. Now, the Ravens have a very smart front office, and Lamar Jackson is probably playing this right. But the reason that this is a party foul is first that the Ravens, while generally smart, should lock down Lamar Jackson as soon as possible before he gets another MVP uh, and, and increases his price and, more importantly, shops himself in free agency because I think that's an actual genuine issue that you have to deal with. I don't think Lamar Jackson is as beholden to the Ravens as vice versa. But second, 
the reason it's probably following Lamar Jackson is that he should hire an agent. I don't think that this is true for all players who don't have an agent. In fact, I think Lamar Jackson is probably playing it correctly right now by refusing to take the deal that the Ravens have. But the reason he should hire an agent is because he's not going to have the ability to negotiate while the season is happening. He just won't. He doesn't even have the ability to negotiate while training camp is happening. He needs representation that's going to negotiate on his behalf and is going to get him more than the 3% return that the agent is going to take out of the cut of the salary. And I think that that agent would be able to do that. And more importantly, will be able to get some of the finer points of the detail taken care of for him. Stuff uh, stuff like, you know, making sure he gets entirely his salary when he goes on injured reserve or something along those lines. Stuff like, you know, making sure that the no trade clause is constructed correctly. Stuff like likely to bear versus unlikely to bear incentives. These small details that agents have the ability to take care of while you're going out there winning football games. I think that the macro play by Jackson is correct. Reject the deal. But I think that the micro play, that might hurt him in the long run. So I think it's a party foul on both sides. I'm going to go uh, with the Vikings, and they uh, voted for all of their captains this year, and no Justin Jefferson. He seems to be like he's one of the leaders of the team. He's supposed to step up and be one of the leaders of the team, but to not be recognized as one of the leaders of the team is either a party foul on the voting population that is the Vikings or a party foul on Justin Jefferson for not earning it. I don't know which one it is, but that's kind of a bummer. You know, you want to see... He's like the leader. He's the personality the of the best team. Players. I don't know, man. Like Brian Robinson was a more important leader than Everson Griffin, but Everson Griffin was undoubtedly the better player. Ah, whatever. Yeah, no, I'm saying that Justin Jefferson is like his personality has leaked into the entire team and the way that they act. I guess the, qu- the question is, like, who would you drop? Who would you drop then? Like, I can't remember the list off the top, but they have a limit for how many they can have. So who would not sure. get captaincy Kirk. i would probably give it over ham or cook to first so of ham all, was ham not the special ham was special captain, teams right? yeah yeah so that's oh, special yeah, you can't yeah so over i i as much as like dalvin cook absolutely a leader on the team as well or brian o'neill i just think that justin jefferson's energy has permeated the team in such a way that that leadership deserves to be recognized yeah well, I do agree idea. that I don't think you need a special teams captain. That was a team choice, if I'm not mistaken. But I so needed to didn't... come up with a party foul in about 30 seconds because Alec took mine. And your so... your party foul was democracy? Was this democracy? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, That's phenomenal mic drop. Um, party foul, I just got an email that the Vikings have signed Duke Shelley to the practice squad and they've terminated T.Y. McGill. Injury settlement. He got hurt. But the party foul is he got hurt. I wanted wanted T.Y. to to be a thing. I wanted the T.Y. dance. I wanted to do the dance on this podcast. Now the dance is dead. There's no more T.Y. It doesn't work for... um, uh, Ross Bullard. There is no Ross Bullard dance. There is no Harrison Ross. Bl- Ross that's, a, that's a Blacklock no, Bullard yeah. Um, hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's who's going to start at five tech now. Right. Ross Bullard. Ross yeah, Bullard. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Totally uh, talked my way into that one. 17 combined right. between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Alec, you're never going to join us again but thank you for joining us today. Um, 
you we've scared no, you i definitely will I, I i i definitely will i i just i can't the fireplace is mesmerized i mean it looks like the coziest <laughs> podcast <laughs> setup i've ever seen it's crazy it's, it's crazy i mean look at look at it it looks so comfortable in there so no i mean thanks for having me um i would like to be in that type of location after i get have to go over five in jeopardy um with vikings villains so um, no. Anyway, thanks just, for having just me. Keep doing this to uh, him every time he shows up. Just ask him yeah. questions he cannot possibly answer. It's horrible. Increasingly obscure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The ne- next time it'll be like deep dive on the Les Steckel era. Something absurd. Yeah, we, like who's that. Hardware Hank? Let's go over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota. That's where you get the videos on YouTube or the podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the postcast with Luke Braun and myself. Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings. Arif Hassan, The Athletic. Alec Lewis, The Athletic, in for Luke Inman, who will be back on Thursday where we have predictions for the season. We'll put them on record, and uh, we'll have a clever gambling game that we uh, like to do and a contest that will start for the season I'm Sam Exner of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. This has been the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.